Well, good morning. And, um, you know, a theme that's often seen in Hollywood movies is the theme of of revenge or, or payback. Movies often begin with some crime or injustice or betrayal. And uh, then the tension begins to build as the storyline unfolds until the moment that the audience is waiting for. And, and, the, and the hero gets his or her pound of flesh and, and the bad guy gets his just desserts and some sort of justice is, is finally realized. Powerful m- movies like uh, Gladiator or The Count of Monte Cristo are examples or basically any Western that Clint Eastwood has starred in or directed. Um, and when that happens, when this moment comes, the audience relishes that moment because we as human beings, we have this, this yearning for wrongs to be made right because it doesn't sit well with us when somebody gets away with doing something wrong. But what about the theme of forgiveness? What about second chances? What about redemption? Where does that come into play? William Arthur Ward wrote this. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like humans when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. Alexander Pope famously said this, To err is human, to forgive is divine. It seems as we look at Scripture as well, it seems our need for justice should and must be tempered and balanced by our willingness to forgive. Today we are concluding our sermon series, What Would Jesus Pray? And we've been looking at the Gospels as Jesus makes his way uh, to the cross. We've seen Jesus pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's facing the cross just a few hours in the future. And he prays, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We've seen Jesus in the upper room at the Last Supper as he prays for his disciples and for us as well, that we would stand strong in the faith, that we'd be unified. And we've seen Jesus teach his disciples and us how to pray when he gave us gives us the the Lord's Prayer. Today we look at this question, what do I do when somebody really has it coming? When somebody hurts me or somebody else I care about in a deep and intentional fashion? How am I supposed to pray then? What do I pray then? Well, again, as in all things, we look to Jesus. And this time we find Jesus on the cross praying perhaps the most difficult prayer of all to pray. A prayer of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Let's take a look now at Luke 23 that was just read. And as we do so, as you turn there, you follow along on your your devices or on the screen behind me. Uh, All of God's word, of course, is powerful and true. But there are certain passages that are so paramount to the faith and our understanding of, of God revealed through Jesus Christ. And I believe that this is one of them. And as you turn there, just let's lay the let's lay the table here for us at the table. It's the end of Jesus three years ministry. And it's been quite a ride up to this point. Um, Jesus, we've seen some uh, healing, some exorcisms. We've seen Jesus bring the dead back to life. We've seen the miraculous feeding of thousands, profound teaching, love for all people, regardless of race or, or gender or class. Jesus has created quite a stir over these past two years. But not everybody's happy about it. In fact, the Gospels show us that the religious leaders of the day were not happy at all, at least most of them. 
He steps onto the turf. He, he challenges them. He tells them that they're wrong about so much that, in fact, they've often missed the point. It's about a relationship with God. And so for a long time, they've been plotting. They've tried trickery. They've tried flattery. They've tried temptation. They've tried to get him to, to toe their line as they define it. But at every turn, he stymies them. He frustrates them. And he amazes the people with his responses and reactions. But now finally, finally, after months of trying to get him, years of trying to get him, they have him right where they want him. Hanging on a cross, preparing to die. And they can't help but give in to a little bit of trash talking and mockery. Verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divide up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him uh, wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, the irony of the situation, of course, is that Jesus could have saved himself. He, Jesus spoke in the universe and the world came into being. He could have said simply enough and it would have stopped and his suffering would have ended. But instead, just as he did throughout his whole life, Jesus surprises us. We've heard the story enough times that maybe it doesn't sound surprising, but it, when you think about it, it's very surprising. Jesus was the son of God. He was perfect and pure in every way, and he was being punished for the sins of the world. He was enduring a, a horrible, excruciating death that he did not deserve. And he comes to this crossroads, hanging on a cross, and he chooses the way of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, what is the way of, of forgiveness? Okay. We know we're supposed to forgive as Christians. We hear that we're t supposed to do that. We, we read about it. But what does it look like? Well, let's first establish what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean we put somebody on probation, holding their sin over their head, waiting for and expecting them to screw up again. That's not, that's not love. That's not forgiveness. That's, that's law. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that we're unwise. It doesn't mean that we become a doormat. It doesn't mean that, we, that there aren't consequences for actions. It doesn't mean we go back and put ourselves continually in a situation where others take advantage of us. That's not forgiveness. That's not noble. That's naive. That's enabling. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we deny that we've been hurt. doesn't mean that we mumble out, no big deal, doesn't bother me, I'm okay. Again, that's not demonstrating God's love and forgiveness. That's denial of the truth. So what is forgiveness? What does it look like? Among other things, forgiveness is about releasing the other person from our hard feelings toward them because of our hurt caused by them. And the beauty of it is that when we forgive somebody else, it helps prepare the way for them to receive God's grace. That's what, in a sense, happened with the thief on the cross. Back to the scripture, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? 
he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, just a little personal note here. This story is very special to me because this is a story that that God used to bring me to faith in Christ. I've been going to Sunday school as a kid. I'd, I'd heard different things. I'd, I'd actually tried to talk to God and pray. But I remember reading this story when I was a young kid. I read it during the day by myself. And that night I was, I was, I was laying in bed. It was, that story kept coming back to me, coming back to me. And, and I, I felt, I felt um, that I needed to say something to God. And I simply said, Jesus, I want to be like that thief. I want to be with you in heaven. Please Please forgive me. And I had a very profound experience. I remember a very strong sense of peace and warmth and a lightness. I could feel God's embrace, and I knew without a doubt that he was real, that God loved me, and that I was forgiven. Now back to the thief on the cross. We don't really know a whole lot about him. We don't know his name. We don't know what he did to be crucified. No doubt he and the other thief had done something horrible, probably committed murder or treason or, or both. But as they're hanging there, they hear the crowd mocking Jesus, and one decides to join in with the crowd. But the other thief did not. I believe that he heard, he'd, he'd heard about Jesus. No, he, maybe he had seen Jesus teaching at some point. But he heard Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And that must have been a, a real surprise to him. I mean, this thief had probably lived most of his life with a tough crowd, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Live by the sword and die by the sword. And he was prepared to die how he had lived. He didn't expect mercy. He didn't expect grace. He knew he didn't deserve it, but he recognized that Jesus did not deserve what he was getting. And Jesus' statement of forgiveness further reinforced his, his belief, his view as Jesus as a righteous man of God, a, a king Jesus, he said, remember me when you come into your, your kingdom. Which is an incredible statement of faith when you think about it. I mean, Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's going to die uh, very soon. The thief wouldn't have understood everything about Jesus. And yet he seems to have more faith than anybody else in the story. And because of that faith, he's saved. And I believe that Jesus' words of forgiveness, his prayer of forgiveness, helped prepare the thief's heart to respond in faith. Archibald Hart, in his book, Love Must Be Tough, says, Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. And forgiveness breaks the cycle that the thief had known his whole life, tit for tat, retaliation, payback, and it opened the way for, for grace and for freedom and for life. Forgiveness opens the way for reconciliation. Without forgiveness, barriers exist between us. Husband and wives living together, little hurts build up, resentments, barriers. Old pain, past hurts, keeping families apart, keeping races apart, inflaming old feuds and hostilities between nations and ethnicities. But God's plan is that we live in peace with him, but also with others. And because of sin, barriers exist. But those barriers can only come down through forgiveness and through grace. And, and when that happens, that grace and that forgiveness can, can change us and transform us and set us free. 
to become the people that God has created us to be. For example, in the story uh, Les Miserables, written by Victor Hugo, powerful story about a man, Jean Valjean, who was transformed by, by unexpected forgiveness and grace. If you remember the story, he was sentenced to a 19-year prison sentence for stealing a loaf of bread. He becomes a very hardened criminal in, while he's in prison. Nobody can beat him in a fight. Nobody can break his will. And finally, he gets his release, but he has nowhere to go. He wanders through the village seeking shelter until a bishop offers him a place to, for the night. But while the bishop is sleeping, Valjean rises from his bed, rummages through the house, and prepares to run off with the family's silver. The bishop interrupts him, and Valjean hits him on the head and escapes. The next morning, three policemen knock on the bishop's door with Valjean in hand. They had stopped him for questioning, and as they searched him, they discovered the silver, recognized it as belonging to the bishop. They're ready to send him back to prison for life. No mercy. But for the bishop, he responds in a way that nobody expects. So you're here, he said to Valjean. I'm delighted to see you. Uh, Had you forgotten that I gave you the candlesticks as well? They're silver like the rest. They're worth a good 200 francs. Did you forget to take them? Valjean was startled and stared at the old man with an expression no words could convey. Valjean was no thief, the policeman told the, 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 the bishop told the policeman. This silver was my gift to him. When the policeman left, the bishop gave the candlesticks to his guests also and said, Do not forget, do not ever forget. You have promised to use this money to make yourself an honest man. The power of radical forgiveness. Changed Valjean's life forever. A naked encounter with forgiveness melted the granite defenses of his soul. Forgiveness changes things, changes us. Those who give it and those who receive it. You know, we describe what Jesus did on the cross as atonement. He atones for our sins. He takes our place. He takes our punishments so that we can be at one atoned with God and with others reconciled. And when we do not forgive, when we are not at one with each other, in a sense, we can mock Jesus. And so disrespect for what he has done, in a sense, stating by words or actions or attitude that what he has done for us on the cross is not enough, is not powerful enough to bring about reconciliation with others in our lives. At the very least, when we do not forgive, we show a lack of understanding what the cross is about. Reconciliation with God, but yes, but also with others. Forgiveness recognizes that we ourselves have been recipients of grace and we then in turn offer forgiveness just as God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we pray? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And if we truly understand what we have been forgiven and how much and at what cost, who are we to withhold forgiveness from others? It's not easy. It's not simple. It's it's difficult. It's challenging to, to pray as Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. 
to release their right we have to get a pound of flesh, to see justice done, to see them get what they deserve. It's not easy. It's hard. But when we do so, we're set free. As, and, and they are as well. Perhaps you're at a crossroads today and maybe you're carrying around a grudge or a hurt, an offense, resentment, and you feel justified in your anger because you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't cause it. You didn't create the situation. And you're ready to let fly with words or actions so that they can feel the pain for a change. Or maybe you're not going to do anything outwardly, but inwardly you resent them. You dislike them and you secretly enjoy it when things don't go their way in life. But that's not the way of Jesus Christ. That's not what Jesus prayed on the cross. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like humans when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. May we be able to pray as Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, Father, forgive them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for the example of Jesus Christ who taught and acted in incredible ways. We thank you for the past few weeks we've had a chance to look at his prayers and how they've challenged us and taught us. Help us, Lord, to to pray as as he was able to do. Not my will, but yours be done. He prayed for others as well, for their well-being. And here on the cross, he taught us perhaps the most challenging and difficult prayer of all. Father, forgive them. Help us, Lord, through our actions to reflect to others that we understand what grace is, that we ourselves have, have been given something that we do not deserve and we've been spared something that we do deserve. Help us to reflect that, Lord, by forgiving others as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen.